Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au Thank you so much, Chris. Well, it's a real privilege this morning to have Pastor Danny Guyamuchi with us uh, to share the word. Amen. We are... We are, we are so blessed in our city of Adelaide that we've got some uh, internationally renowned speakers, God, uh, men of God that has used in a powerful way, not only in our city, but in our nation and also in the world. And it's a real privilege to have Pastor Danny with us. He's not a stranger to our church. He's part of the family. So will you give him a big, big warm welcome as he comes uh, to share the word today? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Good morning, everybody. How are you? I always get excited about coming here because it feels like family and so many, many years of connection. And I always take it very seriously and pray that, uh, well, I do that everywhere I go, but pray that we hear from God and not just man. And, uh, you know, as you get older, I'm 65 now and I'm thinking, I can look back over my life and see the things that I used to preach and see if they really worked. Because you can look back and go, did that really work? Did that really work? And so as I look back, I see the goodness of God over many, many years of the promises he made that have come to pass. And so you can preach those things now looking back with a greater confidence that God is who he says he is and he's real and he wants to speak to us. Today I have a message that's quite simple. It's not a deep theological message, but I felt so strongly to speak today again about the great value of God's church. The great value of God's church. The church of Jesus is being bashed right now around the world. People are deconstructing their lives and and thinking, well, I don't think I need church. I don't think I need God. Even within the great family of faith, people are having second thoughts. And yet, when I look over my life, whether it's been through times of tragedy or times of uh, grief and misunderstanding and pain, I've been so grateful for God's church. And so today I want to talk a little bit about that because we're in an interesting season right now where people are struggling with all the changes and inconsistencies that are happening around us. The uncertainty, the confusion, the anxiety, the fear, and so many opinions. People are so confused now about what to do with life in general. And it seems like people are looking in all the wrong places. Now, just want to share this story. It's happened a couple of weeks ago. We bought a new bed and the doctor said to me, you need to get a bed that sort of sits up a little bit at the back, one of those remote control ones. You know you're getting old when you buy those beds. But anyway, the doctor said we needed them. And so uh, we got this new bed, king size bed. and, And this particular evening, I pick up the remote control and I'm pressing this thing to get my bed to sit up. And as I'm pressing the thing, it just wouldn't move. And I'm going, this silly remote control is not working and it's a brand new bed until I looked across and Sharon was sitting up like this. <laughs> I'd pressed the wrong button. I had her remote control and not mine and realised in life that sometimes we press all the wrong buttons expecting a desired result that we're not going to get. And so it's really important today that we see the relevance of what Jesus said when he said, I'll build my church. There's no plan B. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail. 
A man by the name of Jonathan Sachs, who's written a book called Morality and Restoring the Common Good in Troubled Times. He is a Jewish uh, rabbi. He's just recently, sadly, passed away, a New York bestseller writer. And he's been doing lots and lots of research over the last couple of years, just before he passed. And he talks about millennials and how 96% of millennials today have no understanding of a biblical worldview. 75% of them are lacking meaning and purpose in life. 70% of young American teenagers between 13 and 17 say that anxiety and depression are serious issues amongst their peers. Alcoholism, suicide, relationship breakups, drug abuse, and we can go on, has just risen and risen in the last 10 years more than ever in our history. I won't bore you with all the details. 39% of young millennials aged between 18 and 24 are not sure about their identity and identify now as LGBTQ. We're wondering why the world is in such a place of confusion. I think we've just pressed all the wrong buttons and not getting the desired result. We have a world that's activating all the wrong things and then wondering why we're in such a mess. But I believe today with all my heart that the answer to the world right now is Jesus Christ made known through a real and authentic church. Not a religious church, but a real and authentic church. Last Monday, we had a high school reunion of 1972. And so all my 1972 class from Nordtech, we met at Glenelg Pizza House last Monday night for our reunion. I got picked up in a van and there was quite a few schoolmates in that van. It was a big van. They picked me up from home. Within a few minutes of driving away from home, one of the wives said to me, I've just had a run-in with my girlfriend of 30 years. We've been friends, but she stabbed me in the back and I don't know how to forgive She said to me, can you teach me what I've got to do about forgiveness? In the car, we're only in the car a few minutes. She goes, do I still keep her as a friend or do I shift that space? And as I began to share, not about COVID, not about whether these are the last days, I began to share the wisdom from God's word. And as I began to share with her, I got a text the next day from her husband. He says to me, I don't know what happened last night, but something lifted off my wife's shoulders. Something changed last night when you gave her those answers. Where did you learn this stuff? I said, from God's Word, from the Bible. I remember we got to the, uh, uh, the pizza bar and we're all chatting away and half the guys in my class are struggling with cancer now and we didn't recognise each other for a while because we used to have hair, but uh, hair today, gone tomorrow, and you know, we didn't really uh, you know, recognise each other at first. And... One of them straight away said, how can you still believe in God when you lost your son? And you know, I said, I don't have all the answers, but can I give you the answers I do have? And then I shared the story of how God took me on a journey through the loss of our son. And I took out my mobile phone and I said, these were the scriptures in the Bible that gave me life in the midst of such a horrible time. And as I began to read, one of them, Stephen, he turned to me and he goes, only God could do that. Only God could do that. And I began to realize that when we, the church, truly become 
The church that God's called us to be, we are the answer to a broken world where all this confusion is present. But you know what? I learned a long, long time ago when I first started following Jesus that the best way to do it is to obey the revealed and not chase the concealed. So many times in life we're chasing scriptures. What does this mean? What does that mean? And is the Antichrist coming now or he's coming later? I tell people I believe in the pan theory. They go, what's that? Well, in the end, it'll all pan out. So, you know, I'm not that worried about end times because I don't want to chase the concealed without obeying the revealed. And there are people running around now arguing over whether these are the last time. Are you getting the mark of the beast when you have the jab? And all this kind of stuff. I go, don't waste your time on that stuff. We've got the answer to a broken world. And it's the good news of Jesus Christ. And when, Yeah, come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. When Jesus Christ stood in the temple and said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me to heal the brokenhearted, to set the captives free. He didn't do it in church. When he left the temple, he healed the brokenhearted. If there's ever a time for the church outside the four walls of the church to be the church and bring hope and bring peace in troubled times and bring clarity. And so I decided years ago, if the Bible makes something very clear, I'll obey the revealed and I won't chase the concealed. And my Bible tells me, that we need to come together as the body of Christ and be a family and be the answer. We need to be together in one place, in one accord, with the same purpose. Psalm 133, it doesn't say when people occasionally catch up, but when people dwell together. That's doing life together. You've got to be with the same people in the same place for the purpose and the power to flow. In Psalm 133, that's very, very clear. And so I believe today that I I want to encourage us to value what people are not valuing as much as they should, this incredible church that Jesus said he would build and build it through the local community. Hebrews 10, we can put it up on the screen, verses 23 to 25, let us hold tightly, hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. One good honest look at the Bible and we will quickly see that we can do, we cannot do our Christian walk in isolation. Even in times when, because of health reasons, we might not be able to always gather. But, you know, if we really have a spirit of one another, it's amazing. In the last two years, and when I got cancer, I couldn't fly or travel anymore. I could still encourage people on the phone. I could ring people up. We could talk. It's, it's an attitude. It's a spirit of not living in isolation. You cannot do church in isolation by watching on screen at home if there's the possibility that we can come together and be the church that Jesus called us to be. According to the scriptures, the church is a community of Christians. Now, I'm going to run through this quickly, but this is just a few in the Bible. And you tell me today if we can do this just by staying home. 
You see, as Christians, we need to care for one another, love one another, host one another, receive one another, honour one another, serve one another, instruct one another, forgive one another, motivate one another, build peace with one another, encourage one another, comfort one another, pray for one another, it keeps going, confess sin to one another, esteem one another, edify one another, teach one another, show kindness to one another, Give to one another, rejoice with one another, weep with one another, hurt with one another, and restore one another, and I could go on. And so I want to say today, as we go into 2022, I believe the church is going to be greater than we've ever known. People are starting to think it's never going to be the same again. People are not going to come back anymore. The church will never be the same. Well, Jesus said he'd have no plan B. He's going to build his church. And if we build it according to the scriptures, we become the hope of the community, the hope of the world. And I believe the greatest days are ahead of us. I really do. This is the kind of love that Jesus wants us to express. And can I say... Jesus is breaking down denominational barriers and he's breaking down all those things today where it's the body of Christ. Jesus didn't say, I'll build your churches. He said, I'll build mine. And I want to be part of what he's building. I want to be on board with what he's building. In John 17, Jesus is praying just before he goes to the cross. Yeah, you know, the last prayer you pray before you're about to die would be a very important prayer. And Jesus comes with three reports. Father, those whom you've given me, I've kept them. What a great report. Every pastor should want to desire this. Father, those whom you've given me, I've kept. I have given them your word. As you sent me, I send them. And then he has a request. The fourth thing that Jesus prays for is not a report, it's a request. He says, Father, will they be one? Make them one. Jesus is praying for our unity. And sometimes in denominational worlds, we go off to our corners and there's a new kingdom movement coming. I prophesy today where the church is coming together of believers of all places, coming together under one voice, under one God, knowing we are the church of Jesus Christ. We believe in him and we know we have the answers to a broken world. John 13, 34. So now I am giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love one another Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You know, to live out these truths is the best way, in the best way, is to be planted in the family that God puts you in to worship him. And I just, I just want to value the house of God more now than in, I ever have in my life. Do you realize when Noah built the ark that he had to put all those animals in there? Can you imagine the smell in that ark? But I've discovered the stink inside the ark was still better than the storm outside. People bash the church. The church, you know, church doesn't do this and it's full of hypocrites and it's all this. I'll tell you what, when I'm in a storm, I would rather be in a boat with a bit of smell in it, with brokenness because we're all broken and we've all got stuff. But the stink inside that ark was far better than the storm outside. And when that storm finished, they were on a higher place than they'd ever been before. They could see better than they'd ever seen before and released into their destiny. My personal journey at the age of 11, I had my first encounter at a little building in St. Peter's with Jesus Christ at the age of 11. At the age of 16, 
I went to a youth camp and God so transformed my life. See, I'd been in church nine months before I was born. I was always in the church, so I was more of a churchian than I was a Christian. But when I had my experience at the age of 11, something shifted that was more than just tradition. At the age of 16, I had an encounter where I got filled with the Holy Spirit and God did something powerful in my life. At the age of 19, I joined a youth group that totally... uh, invited me into knowing Christ in a way like I'd never known him before. Got married young and in our early 20s, we lost our first child. In 1975, Sharon lost our first child. And I remember, never forget that day. It was a Wednesday when I went to the hospital. She'd lost the baby and we were very broken. And I remember getting in the car knowing that it was Wednesday night prayer meeting. And I got in the car and I drove off to a little building in Klemzik uh, and uh, there was a prayer meeting on that night and I walked in and just fell apart. I felt so uh, horrible that we'd lost our child, our, our first child and people just gathered around us and, and, and around me, Sharon was in hospital, but gathered around me and, and just prayed and, and I cried and I felt I was in a safe place where people understood my pain and I realised that day that when you're in a genuine organic group of believers that love the same God you do, you're in a place of great encouragement and great strength. That that night totally showed me the value of the church. Uh, I remember when I first started walking with Jesus, I started to journal and I still do to this day. I journal every day. And I remember one of my first journals was Acts chapter 27, where Paul is en route to Rome and he's in a boat and the prisoners are finding themselves in a severe storm and the sailors tried to abandon ship, but Paul gets up in the boat and he goes, listen, unless you all stay in the boat, unless you all stay in the ship, we are going to perish. And I remember in my early 20s reading this and I'm going, God, I'm going to make a commitment to this boat called the church and I'm going to stay in the boat when there's a storm. I'm not going to jump ship when there's a storm. I'm not going to run away when things don't go my way. I will choose to stay in the boat. And I remember when Chris passed away and I was uh, just by my bed one night and I said, God, I don't know where to turn. I may have shared this with you before. Uh, And I said, Lord, I don't know what to do. You know, we've lost our son. I, I don't know if I can keep preaching. I don't know how to handle this. And a thought in my head was, what about listening to the messages you've preached to everybody else? Because if they don't work for you, then they're not going to work for anybody else. And I remember going to my office and I had a box of all my handwritten sermons that I had for years. I've got about six of these boxes. And the very first one I pulled out was stay in the boat in the midst of a storm. It was that very one. And I thought, oh, my Lord. And you know what? I've stayed in the boat all my life in times of smelliness, in times of division, in times of confusion. But I stand today, and I'm not trying to be arrogant in saying this, but to come alongside my friends I went to school that don't have that hope and to be able to share that with them on Monday, I just felt I wanted to share with you today, let's value the church of Jesus. Let's value the body of Christ. I'm amazed at the number of believers that leave as soon as they hit a storm when we need to be together even more, when we're planted in the local church, we can handle the storms of life. So what I've done is I've put together a list of what the church has done for me. And I think we'll probably have the points on screen. What I've needed in my life through the church. I pray that it'll help you. Number one, I've needed the church's atmosphere. You know, there's nothing quite like having a tough week going through dryness in your life and sometimes not having the energy yourself to do your Christianity just on your own. And over the years, I can't tell you the amount of times that I've walked into a meeting and the atmosphere of worship 
and the atmosphere of God just being there waiting for us has come and lifted the burden and done something to just let you know that you're not alone and that you're together. It's amazing the times when I've needed answers to my prayers, where I've been in a service where someone will get up and say something or a song will be sung. It doesn't always have to be the preaching. Something can happen. Someone in the foyer, and I'm so glad I've come. I've needed the church's atmosphere. Number two, I've needed the church's adjustment. We all need adjustment in our lives. The preaching of the word is not just a feel-good sermon. It brings adjustment in our lives. The times that I've been angry about stuff or upset about stuff and someone will get up and preach and address without knowing the very thing I need to adjust in my life. We're forever needing adjustment. I've needed the church's atmosphere. I've needed the church's adjustment. But number three, I've needed the church's and. You see, it was Paul and Silas, Peter and John. We all need ands in our life. Your and will determine your end. You hang out with the wrong people, you'll end up pressing the wrong buttons and the bed won't go up. And I've realized that the people I do life with help my life become what it needs to be. And I've always had in my life people that I look up to that can pull me up, people that I just do friendship with and people that I can pull up and so that I can have the right ends in my life and the church has provided that for me for 50 years and I want to tell you, bash the church all you like. I want to build the church Jesus said he would build. I love its atmosphere. Yes, I love its adjustment. I love its and. And number four, I love its ad. When I add my prayers to yours, something powerful happens. We call it spiritual warfare. We use it at weddings. There's Ecclesiastes 4, is it? Two are better than one, but a threefold cord cannot easily be broken. That's not for weddings only. That's for life. And when we come and we add our strength to one another, there's times I've needed people to say, stop that. Don't, don't be like that. Pastor Jeff Woodward is a friend of mine in Perth. Every now and then I'll ring him and I'll have a little spew and he'll go, come on, stop it. That's not how you should be thinking. I need guys like that in my life. And you know what? Then we pray together. And you know, there's something that comes and strengthens when we have the right ads in our life in spiritual warfare. Number five, I've needed the, Lord, uh, the church's anointing. There's an anointing that the Bible promises. That sometimes you can't put it into words, but you know something is happening. It was a particular Friday. We used to do Friday night services and I was preparing a message for a Friday night and in my head, came this thought, preach, not what you're preparing now, but preach from Psalm 84. Now, Psalm 84 is the story of the psalmist saying, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than stand in the tent of the wicked. And so I don't know why I've got this shift happening in my head. And so I started preparing a message out of Psalm 84. I get to church that night and my son Michael comes up and he goes, Dad, we had an incredible move of God Wednesday night at rehearsal. And we were on our knees and we started to sing Psalm 84. And they wrote a song out of Psalm 84, verse 10. I go, wow, you're not going to believe this, Mike. Because he said, can we start the meeting with that song? I said, I've just prepared a message on that. As I'm walking to the meeting, I said to my PA, can you just grab the message Bible and get me Psalm 84 out of the message Bible? And so what happened was I preached that night from Psalm 84. The song opened up the meeting. It was an incredible atmosphere. And at the end of the meeting, a young lady comes running down the aisle, one young lady, crying her eyes out. She goes, how did you know? 
I go, what do you mean? She goes, I've only been a Christian three or four weeks. And you know what? I said to God, I don't know if I can go to that party. See, what happened was she's a photographer, professional photographer. She was asked to go to the Greek islands and to be on a boat as a photographer on a two-week drunken party at a gay wedding. And she'd only just become a Christian and she didn't think she'd be strong enough to handle an occasion like this. They were going to pay her airfare, everything. She goes, I don't know if I could do this. And I said to God, help me, help me. And in my head came Psalm 84. So she read it, but could not understand it. Until that night, at the end of the service, I read it from the message version. Let me read it to you. One day spent in your house, this beautiful place of worship, beats thousands spent on Greek island beaches. I'd rather scrub floors in the house of my God than be honoured as a guest in the palace of sin. She looked at me, she cried her eyes out. She goes, I don't think God wants me to go. When you read it in that version, I'm going to the Greek islands and I'm going to be in a palace of sin. That young lady burst into tears. She goes, there was probably 900 people in that meeting. And she goes, out of all those 900 people, God loved me enough to answer my prayer, to answer my request. That happened in the atmosphere of God's people coming together. Miraculous things can happen. One Sunday morning, I'm getting ready to go to church. I'm running late, so I'm only ironing the front of my shirt. I didn't iron the back. I only ironed the front. And so while I'm ironing, I'm getting all these thoughts about someone going to be in the meeting going through some real difficult times. And I wrote down on a piece of paper what I felt was coming into my mind. I get to church that morning and I get up and I start talking about, I only ironed the front of my shirt this morning. I was running late. I kept going on about it. And in my head, I'm feeling, stop it. Just get on with it. Why do you keep talking about this? I said, and while I was doing it, I felt God say to me, there's someone going to be here today who's been told that the church is a cult. And I've been told that um, what's being taught here is evil and that God isn't real and God doesn't exist. What happened after I told the story is a lady comes running down the front to Karen, one of our pastors. She's a mess. She goes, you're not going to believe this. So this morning I said to God, God, if you're real, can you just show me somehow? Because I've been told this church is a cult and I don't want to get messed up in a cult. She goes, and then that old bloke got up. I didn't like that idea, but she did, I hadn't been to church for, for months traveling, so she didn't know who I was. She goes, that old bloke got up, and he kept talking about ironing only the front of his shirt. He says, my husband died three months ago. He used to only iron the front of his shirt. He used to only iron the front of his shirt, and we used to joke about it as a family. I miss him so much. I've been told this church is a cult, and I asked God to show me that I was safe. And this morning when that guy spoke and said that, I knew I was okay. And I thought, wow, how good is God when we come and understand the power of the church? I've needed the church's assignment. Sometimes we don't know what our future holds. I talk to people in this church that go out on a Friday night and go to a place and, and serve the poor. And when I talk to you, there's such a sense of joy about it. There's such a sense, we love doing this. Why? Because sometimes we don't quite know how to activate what we're 
called to do on the planet. But when we get on board with the assignment that's on the house and we get up and we serve, what happens is if we get on board with that, it keeps us outward looking and it starts to unlock what's inside of us. And many times in my life, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know I was going to be a preacher. I was a menswear salesman. I was happy being a menswear salesman. I wasn't looking for the ministry, but I was asked to run a home group. I ran a home group. I had no idea what to do. We used to show videos of Winky Prattney and I used to play some songs on the guitar. And one day the thing began to grow and grow and grow and in one year over 200 kids had come through our home and four corners on Channel 2 came and did a story on why young people, teenagers, are not turning to drugs but are turning to God. We never knew that was going to happen. We just kept multiplying home groups. We, didn't, we couldn't get 200 in our home. We just kept multiplying the home groups. Then the call of God came. But I said yes to running a home group. I didn't know where that was going to take me. I said yes to leading worship. I didn't know where that was going to take me. The first time they asked me to lead choruses with a guitar, I only knew how to play a couple of chords. I said to the pastor, I play the guitar according to the scriptures. Never let your left hand know what your right hand's doing. i got no idea. But I got on board with the church's assignment and God unlocked mine over time. I've needed the church's amen. I've needed the church's amen to build my confidence. I mean, the first time I led worship at Clemsic, one of, one of the deacons, in those days we used to have deacon-possessed churches, and, and so one of the deacons went up to Pastor Andrew and says, who's that guy with that long hair and, and wiggling his hips? He looks like Elvis up there. And he's sweating while he's leading worship. I was nervous. I was moving around trying to lead the people in worship. But I thought I did a lousy job. And then Pastor Andrew goes, no, you'll get better. You'll be great. We're here to encourage you. We need the amen of those around us from the family of faith. So when you look at all those things, you think, why wouldn't you be part of God's family? You know, why wouldn't you be part of an atmosphere that blesses your life, adjusts your life, it becomes an and in your life and an ad and you receive from its anointing. You build its assignment and you receive its amen. Closing today, I just want to tie it all up with just a couple of words. As I look back over my life, God's church has enhanced my convictions. I think we can put the words up on the screen. It's, in, uh, it's encouraged my convictions, right? It's enhanced my convictions. Number two, church encourages our personal walk with Jesus. Church has been there to encourage my personal walk with Jesus. Then number three, it's equipped me in my God purpose. And it's an expression of God to the wider community. A few years ago, and I close with this, a few years ago, I felt God really challenged me to let our building prophesy without opening our mouth. Let everything you do speak, even when you don't open your mouth. And I remember we put some pictures on the outside of the building of people in worship, people smiling, all that kind of stuff. And some people left the church because we're spending too much money on advertising. I couldn't believe it, but anyway, it happened. And then one day, one Christmas, a man and his wife came to church for the first time. Why? Because he drove down the highway and saw happy people on a wall and thought, is that a church? People don't usually smile in church. Let's go and check it out. 
He walks into the foyer and like this morning, people are having breakfast and, and having doing life together and he's blown away, comes into the meeting uh, and the worship is just uh, frightening him. He'd never seen anything and so many people coming to church. He's freaking out and then uh, one of the pastors, I wasn't speaking that day, one of the other pastors spoke and it was like speaking to him. Anyway, he was suffering from post-traumatic stress from being out at war in the, in the uh, I can't remember which one it was now, one of those recent walls. And, and, and he, he was freaking out that the depression on his life had just started to lift. Anyway, I got a letter from him. And I won't read it to you because it will take too long. It was a fairly long letter. He was from England. He was only travelling here in, in Australia. He went back to England. Something happened. But anyway, on the night, the morning he was at church, that night he stopped in Sydney, went along to Hillsong Church and gave his life to the Lord. He didn't give his life to the Lord in our church. He gave his life to the Lord at another church because it doesn't matter. And he ends up in England and to cut a long story short, found a little church in England in his town, took 20 of his friends that had been in battle with him to church that suffered with depression and wrote me a letter saying, if you guys hadn't done what you did, I don't know where my life would be. I was suicidal. I thought I was going to top myself. But when I heard the message of Jesus, the way you explained it, it so transformed my life. When I went back home, I found this little church in our town. I've taken 20 of my friends and I just want you to know I'm still walking with Jesus and he's very real in my life. You see, the church is an expression to a wider, if we don't love each other, if we don't do church the way God wants it done... What's the world going to see when they look in? But when they look in and see that we're this vibrant, alive, real body of people who believe in a God that gives us clarity when we don't understand what's going on. A God who can, under the revealed word of God, give us the patterns for life. And I want to tell you, I love the church. Let's not bash the church. Let's build the church. And as we go into our future next year, let's believe for the greatest days for God's church to be ahead of us in Jesus' name. Come on, give the Lord a hand of praise. Can we bow our heads in prayer just for a moment? As I was in the worship this morning, see what happens when you're in worship? Things come. And we might have just maybe one of the musicians come if that's okay. I wasn't sure, but yeah, already there. See? Powerful and. And um, if we could just bow our heads in prayer. If I got a dollar for everybody that's been disillusioned or hurt by the church, we would have a lot of money. And if everybody that's been hurt by churches we're still following Jesus today. We wouldn't have buildings big enough to house everybody. I happen to believe there's a great coming home day. I believe there's a coming home day of many. But I sense that there would be a handful of people here this morning that some of your experiences in church world have been painful. It might not be in this church. It might be some other place you've been. But human beings make mistakes. It can happen in any church. But it just took the shine off for you thinking, I don't know, I just, just feel a bit flat. And today, what I've been praying is that today, this very, very simple message will just encourage you to embrace again. Jesus knows what he's doing when he says he's going to build his church. And yes, it's got all its flaws because we're human beings, but God wants to lift your hope again and take away the, the sense of abuse you went through and plant you in again to the great house of God. And if you've been in that situation and you've got the courage to do this while every head's bowed and eye closed, I'd like you to slip up your hand because I just want to pray for you today and just pray that things will shift as we go into a new year together. Thank you. God bless you. 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 Thank you. God bless you.
Father, today, you're the only one that's perfect. And we're so glad we've got you in our lives. Father, help us to be people that are open to your adjustment, that you can adjust us and do whatever you need to do, that we'll never stop growing. And Lord, for all these that have raised their hand today, that have had some tough experiences, Father, will something supernatural in this atmosphere right now shift so that people will just know that the God we serve can be trusted. He's real. He's the real God. And we want to follow Him even when we don't always get it right. Father, I know it's tough times with COVID, but Father, we're not going to believe that we're going to be held back. Father, we're going to keep moving forward and we're going to see your church arise. Father, we make a commitment to you today. We will arise and build what you encouraged us to partner with you with. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, guys.